BGRT Gaming Podcast, episode 647, recorded on April 20th, 2022. Hello, and welcome to the 647th edition of the TV Gaming Podcast and 480th episode of Video Game Roundtable. I am TJ Denzer. I'm Scott Dirk. And I am Jonah Falcon. The VGRT Gaming Pill. Black. The VGRT Gaming Podcast focuses on game news from around the industry with a gaming flashback. Right. So uh, I'm going to start and I'm just going to say I've not been playing anything that notable yet. I've been too busy, so... I mean, there's new DLC for LEGO Star Wars, but I haven't played that either, so... Just been doing a lot of MLB The Show, and not much else. What have you been playing, Scott? I've been playing uh, Tunic and Triangle Strategy. I've gotten two of the endings on Triangle Strategy, and I'm going to try to be going for the Golden Path, or Best Ending on that one pretty soon but i've been playing a good amount of tunic and it is a really challenging game to the point where i just have to do the no fail mode just so i can enjoy the environment and uh solving the 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 story that's in that era i've heard the late game is more dark souls than it is uh jalda yeah it's 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 very dark souls in in that there's a lot of combat and a lot of brutal combat um and you just have to know what you're doing i guess and and use your shield and use all the stuff you get along the way uh you increase your stats of course um and it's really fun discovering these mechanics because the game manual is like we said before you find the pages and then these pages will reveal to you oh you can do this thing and it's something you've been able to do the whole time but you weren't aware that that function was there until you find that out in the game manual and it's kind of an interesting way to play the game so and dj (laughs) well go ahead no go ahead yeah i was about to say you know dj scott is now demanding that you play tunic i know i need to make time for it so badly i uh (laughs) i really do need to sit down and play this game um i'm gonna get there i promise by the way, I haven't started uh, Life is Strange True Colors yet, even though it's on Game Pass. I, I intend to. I've just been very busy. Yeah, there's too many games. Yeah, this year is a really good year for games. Uh, a lot of good ones coming out. I'm looking forward to Live Alive. Uh, I think they'll be in the summer. And There's only uh, one game that's coming out to me. And then Iudian Rising is coming out uh, May 10th. Really? I know yeah. that's I know that's going to be on Game Pass. No, but for me, yeah. there's only one real game coming out this year, and it's launching on November 11th. Which one is it? Oh, come on. It's Starfield. <laughs> oh, Starfield. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> the November 11th should have t- clued you in. It wasn't going to be the Elder Scrolls 6, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's a long way off. Yeah. But we do know it's coming at some point. Um, so anyways, we're going to move right on to gaming flashback. Uh, take it away, Scott. Okay. 
Uh, gaming flashback is Journey. <clears throat> Journey is an indie adventure game co-developed by that game company and Santa Monica Studio, published by Sony Computer Entertainment and directed by Genova Chen. It was released for the PlayStation 3 via PlayStation Network in March 2012 and ported to PlayStation 4 in July 2015. It was later ported to Microsoft Windows in June 2019 and iOS in August 2019. In Journey, the player controls a rope figure in a vast desert traveling towards a mountain in the distance. Other players on the same journey can be discovered and two players can meet and assist each other, but they cannot communicate via speech or text and cannot see each other's names until after the game's credits. The only form of communication between the two is a musical chime, which transforms dull pieces of cloth found throughout the levels into vibrant red, affecting the game world and allowing players to progress through levels. The developers sought to evoke the player's sense of smallness and wonder to forge emotional connections between them and the anonymous player they meet along the way. Music composed by Austin Wintory dynamically responds to the player's actions, building a single theme to represent the game's emotional arc throughout the story. I did play this game, and I didn't get far enough to the point of having someone else join me on the journey, but I did I did enjoy roaming the desert and finding ruins and collecting those little red pieces of cloth that fly around you. Um, it, it's a very just like chill game you know yeah. you just kind of enjoy well, the atmosphere that's what what that's that game company's uh thing uh the first game was flow then flower and then journey and the last flower and journey were also uh published by annapurna interactive which sort of makes sense because it's their they love making artsy fartsy games <laughs> yeah the flower that one kind of felt a little bit part, like, I guess, I think it's trying to deal with depression in a way because it was like talking about death and you're, but you're like flowing around bringing blooming to flowers. I remember that one yeah. being very, uh, I don't know. It just it felt like it was a metaphor for life. And I mean, kind of obvious, but yeah. So here's uh, the thing also. Very, yeah. Very sad music, I think. All three games, uh, Flow, Flower, Flow, Flower, and Journey, were all published by Sony Interactive. And then that game company did nothing afterwards. So I think Journey, for all the accolades it got, and some people said it was one of the greatest games of all time, for all the accolades it got, it must not have made money. Because the next time they did anything was Sky Children of the Light, which they self-published. And it was for iOS and Android, and then later ported to Switch. Yeah, that wasn't a game I played. I only played the the first three that were mentioned. I remember that being, I think, a deal with Sony, in fact. I never had a chance to play any of uh, that game company's stuff, even though I've been aware of it for ever. Uh, I, I can because they uh, it's part of my press account with Epic. So I have Flower and, and Journey on my... Uh, Here's the thing with Journey, though, is that it requires a second player online, and I don't know how many people are still playing Flower or, or, or playing Journey. Mm-hmm. I think the closest thing I've come to a game like this, and it could be questioned whether or not it's close enough, um, would be something like Gris. Uh, Gris, I mean, it's French. Gris. My bad. Gris. Gris is, is French for gray. 
Huh. And I didn't much like Green much. You didn't like it? No, as a game, it sucked. <laughs> Aw. Here's the thing. Uh, I, uh, um, Spiritfarer is a lot better communicating what Gree is trying to communicate, and it's an actual game. Hmm. You haven't played Spiritfarer yet, have you? No, I haven't. Shame on you. Shame on you. How dare you? You played that, that, that Dragon Cant and you can't play Spiritfarer? He's already stated he has so many games to play. and he has Yeah, well, drop all those and, and play that one first. <laughs> I, I still recommend Tunic, but yeah, okay. I mean, here's the thing. There, it, Tunic is going to take him a lot longer to, to finish than, than Spiritfarer will. I don't know. T- Tunic's seeming kind of quick. I, I, if you have no fail mode on, then you probably go through it quick. But if you don't, then it, it might because the battles will be a lot harder. Yeah, I'm I'm not going to turn on no fail mode. Here's the I thing: mean, when, it, when you I've get been, to these, uh, when you get to the meteor shower and spirit fairy, you'll realize why you want to play that game over and over again. It's not that I'm too good for no fail mode. It's just that uh, I like throwing myself against something difficult until I overcome it. <laughs> he likes to he likes to hit the wall. He likes to hit the wall with his head over and over and over until one of them cracks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't get the dopamine rush from that, but uh, I understand other people do, and I'm glad they do, because I, I don't. I mean, that's why people play Cuphead, you know, because, you know, they keep on failing against the boss, but once they get into that perfect Zeta mode, you know, that that Zen mode in their brain, and they just defeat the uh, the boss with one in one what with one life, it's like this this thing just comes off their back, say, oh yes, I am awesome, and then the game gives you a C plus. <laughs> You ever feel like you do so well, and then the game says, "Yeah, I was a C plus." Hmm. Like Bayonetta. Oh wow, I did really well. What? I was silver. Not, <laughs> not gold yeah. or platinum. Oh, at least it is an Enzo, and it's not a stone. Tra- it's not a stone tra- uh, of Enzo just falling on his ass. C for cool guy. <laughs> but yeah. um... Journey was one of those games that everybody kept talking about, and then one day it just people stopped talking about it. Mm-hmm. So it is. It has always looked like like a you had to be there type experience, where like everybody lo- fell in love with this thing that was just so weirdly abstract for a video game. And then I, they uh, and, and then they moved on. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sort of like uh, that. That oh, fr- I even forgot the name of that stupid game with those characters doing the race and going through all the things like some Japanese game show. What was it called again? See, that's the problem. Two years later, I'm like, what was that game called again? Everybody mm. was talking about it. It was on. It was know. on PC and then it was on Sony and you know, punch. I, I, uh, I forgot the name of it. See, that's what happens to, to the games like Journey. People get high, excited over it. It's the best game ever. And then people forget about it. Yeah. You remember? You remember Dreams? I Dreams is still cool as fuck. Yeah, no like, one talks about it. It, But like there, it does have a pretty dedicated creator community. Of course it does. So did yeah. Project Spark. <laughs> I would love I think I think it would be the coolest thing in the world. 
if uh, if if PlayStation did what it's been doing with its titles like Gears of War and Horizon and made Dreams available to PC. And I doubt they ever will, because that would be a copyright nightmare where people would be making all sorts. <laughs> Nintendo already went after Dreams one time because somebody made like a full Wario game <laughs> in Dreams. You know, uh, here's the thing. You know what you could never be able to do? What you could do is something like Game Amber or Shmup or Shmup Maker, Shoot'em Up Maker, um, have the game make it a standalone game that you don't need the original software for. I just wish they would port Dreams over to other things because I think that so, is a really cool creative. They try, look at Project Spark. How was, it, how was it any different? And Project Spark had Conquer. I think, in my opinion, Dreams features a little bit more. In terms of what you can do, what you can no, create, what you can put no, together. No, that's absolutely not true. Have you seen what people made with Project Spark? Same stuff. It's Here's the thing. You might as well just get into programming. Just learn C++ and, and just ignore Dreams if you're really going to get that's, seriously into That's a cool thing about Dreams is that it has a lot of tutorials that teach you about that. No, it teaches you. No, 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 no. It, when it, it gives you the basic tools to make a very simple game, but if you want to make something more complicated, you might as well learn C++ because it gets that deep into programming language anyway. It's like... Jonah, I implore you, you need to sit down and actually dig I have. I have. I've, I I've been to those... Feel like all my life, I've played those games. That it can do. Game Maker, <laughs> shmu- uh, Shoot'em Up Maker, uh, Unlimited Adventures, you, uh, Adventure Construction Set... <laughs> Pinball construction set, racing destruction set. I played all of the uh, all of the what's all of the uh, constructive game uh, game makers. Oh mm-hmm. and oh damn, what is the name of that? Um, what is the name of that 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 uh, that software that everybody seems to use to make JRPGs? RPG Maker. Yeah, RPG Maker. I've used that. You know, been there, done that. Bought the T-shirt. Dr- uh, we'll, we'll just wait for the next dreams. <laughs> Get, listen to Sony. Listen, Sony. I am pissing all over your dreams. I don't think he can because uh, that, like, having fully dug into that game, <laughs> it's and not only like fiddled with it myself, but also dug deep into what other people are doing with it. It's pretty incredible. What uh, it, it, it's it's beyond the the name the something. Name something Dreams can do that Minecraft can't, and Minecraft was never intended as a, as a as a game publishing software. Can um, you make Can you make a working cell phone with Dreams? I believe that you probably could if you had enough time to do it. Well, so you there's can a, do that with Minecraft lot, too if you have enough. There's time a lot to do of it. programming you can do in that game. Yeah, and you can remake the entire of New York City in Minecraft. You could do that in Dreams, I'm sure, but then you won't have any Endermen in, in Dreams. I'm not going to argue with you on whether or not Dreams is good or not, because I know it's good. I, all I'm, I'm not saying, saying it's not good. I'm saying it's forgettable and, and pointless. It's not. <laughs> I mean, it's only as pointless as the artist that's handling it. Anyways. <laughs> all I'm saying is that if Dreams came to PC, that would be a really cool thing for a lot of creatives. It did when it was called Project Spark. No, I want Dreams. I don't care for Project Spark. Uh-huh. Anyways, we're going to move on to quick news. Uh, Sonic Origins Remastered Collection gets a June release date. 
Sonic Origins will collect and fully remaster Sonic the Hedgehog, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, Sonic 3 and Knuckles, and Sonic CD. Um, what is the point of this? <sighs> Didn't we already have a remastered Sonic 1, 2, 3, and Knuckles, and CD? Um, it's been in a Sega collection, but this one is actually being remastered by the Sonic Mania team. Yeah, the problem is all these remasters lately have been terrible. Even the ones you th- you'd think would be a slam dunk have been terrible. And I'm not talking about GTA. I repeat, this is being remastered by the good Sonic team. There is no good Sonic team. What you want is the team that made Sonic Mania. That's what I said. Oh, but they're not (laughs) Sonic team. I said this is being made by the good Sonic team, the ones who made Sonic Mania. Because those are fans. You see, they actually like the property. (laughs) Well, there you go. This is being made by the fans who made that thing that everybody likes. Okay. Um. It, it, I have confirmed that it is the Sonic Mania team that is that is helping Sega remaster these games. Now, here's a test. Can they make Sonic 4 good? Uh, Sonic 4 is not on here. It's Sonic. I know it's not on there, but I'm saying can, can, can that Sonic team make Sonic 4 good? <laughs> I think that's a futile effort. I think I'd rather they focus on uh, just making either remastering these games or moving on to like and continuing to make cool new Sonic stuff. You know what? If Sonic, you're gonna... Mania, Sonic Mania was not just like an amalgam of like classic levels, but the, the they new remastered levels they put it, yeah. in were also really great. But here's the thing. You know what I'd rather they remaster? Bioware's Sonic RPG, which was not a bad mm-hmm. game. And it is so strange for a Bioware Sonic RPG, they should do that so people can can play it. Sonic Chronicles The Dark Brotherhood. Yes. That's Bioware's Sonic game. Yes. Weird. Yes, kitties. Bioware made a Sonic game. Mark Dara, no less. Like I said, it was a good game, but who remembers it? It was on it was on uh, handheld only. Mm-hmm. Lots of uh A pluses, eights, sevens. Decent amount of scores on this. This is when Bioware could make could do nothing wrong. <laughs> the only criticism I ever heard about uh, the Sonic RPG is that it was a little dull combat. The combat was a little dull. But I mean, if you're if you're a Sonic fan, then there is no such thing. You know, it's like Paper Mario. Yeah, but I'm happy. I'm happy that uh, not only is Sonic Origins happening, but it's the it's the folks at the Mania team that are also getting the rub again because they di- they put in the work. They deserve it. They deserve the opportunity to do this stuff. Yeah, I mean, um, by the way, I was playing some of the um, remasters, not remasters, but the port of the gold box games to Steam. Played a bit of Dungeon Hack and it was fine. You know, it, you have to get used to the fact that this is an old game and it's going to have old problems. <laughs> You know, yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of I, I think I've talked about this before, but like when I tried to make uh, the original Fallout work on a on a modern PC, that was a process. Well, it wasn't that. It's just that the mouse was new at the time and you had to use a lot of keyboard and a little bit of mouse. And it's like held together with bailing wire and tape. Didn't you have like the the 500 page instruction manual that told you all of the uh all of the uh, prompts and all of the macros. Actually, Dungeon Hack didn't have much of a manual. It didn't. Huh. But it was hard as hell because um, 
some of the things that we take for granted in RPGs were not there. Like, uh, yeah, you better move away because you'll get killed really quickly. Okay. Um, I haven't played any of the uh, Gold Box game, you know, the um, Dragonlance games yet. I don't have time for that yet. <laughs> it's going to be time and I have to play those. Um, but hey, wait, uh, Scott, have you played any of them yet? Any of Sonic games? No. No, of the Gold Box games. I mean, that I were released on Steam. That were released on Steam. That were released on Steam. Have you played, played them again? Uh, I played Curse of Azure Bonds. I played uh, the Silver Blades. I played. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's fine. Uh, I'm talking about the ones that were released on Steam. <laughs> and the well, I haven't played anything on Steam yet. No. Okay, I'm just wondering if you because that's replaying them. I should have said, have you replayed them yet? Sorry. I have to check to see what the achievements are. I never checked to see if there were Steam achievements. You've got mail. I, is it on? Oh, wow, there it is. Yeah. Oh, okay. I have uh, not played this. Uh, let's see if there's achievements that will be interesting. And the games are dirt cheap. Too. The, the, uh, each of the three collections are dirt cheap, so there's no reason not to get it if just for nostalgia. Anyways, moving on to the next quick news. Head of Xbox Research and Design exits company after 20 years. Chris Novak confirmed his own resignation via post on his LinkedIn page on April 19th, 2022. Um, his he did a lot uh, from you know he did the Hololens, he did uh, uh, he did Sunset Overdrive with Insomniac, but I don't know if he was that all that key. I mean, does anybody really care about Hololens these days? Um. Nah, I don't think so. I think it went the way of Google Glasses. <laughs> it's, been, it's at least been a while since I've heard anything new about it. Yeah. Uh, Halo composer Marty O'Donnell has amicably resolved his latest legal battle with Microsoft. Uh, last year, though, he was forced to pay Bungie just shy of $100,000 after being found in contempt of court for distributing music he was ordered to return to the developer after his firing in 2014. O'Donnell pointedly blamed Activision meddling for his removal from Bungie. Uh, the cool thing is that he announced his um, his uh, settling with Microsoft by posting a video with him and Steve Vai, just jamming. Hmm. Uh, for those you don't know, <laughs> is he is he an old rocker now? Steve Vai um, was uh, is a famous guitarist, and uh, he was with you know he toured with Alcatraz and Lavi Roth and Whitesnake and. You know, even even played with Spinal Tap. <laughs> but um, have you ever seen the movie Crossroads with Ralph Macchio? No. Okay. Do me a favor. Uh, go, uh, after this, YouTube uh, Ralph Macchio versus Steve I. Hmm. It's an amazing scene from Crossroads. It's the it's the climax. Alrighty. And okay, so next quick news. Oh, there is no more quick next. Quick next. That's it. Uh, th- this week's news has been pretty light. Um, first game news item: PlayStation wants ads in its games too, and this comes to us from IGN. After last week's report that Xbox is looking to include more advertisements in free-to-play games, it seems PlayStation is also testing the waters on its own advertisement program. According to Advertising Insider, Sony wants to encourage developers to create free-to-play games by adding this new way to monetize them beyond microtransactions and battle passes. Similar to what we know about Xbox's program, the goal for Sony is for the ads to fit in over the rest of the game, like putting real-life ads on billboards and virtual sports stadiums. Sony is also looking into rewarding players for watching ads or promotions within game items, including avatar skins. 
while we already know that Microsoft isn't planning to take a cut of the revenue, Sony is still deciding on if it will take a share. Oh, come on. We know that Sony will want to have a cut. This, yeah. that's, that's Sony. They want money. Microsoft has money out coming out the wazoo. Sony doesn't. As for what companies Sony will partner with, one source of reports says Sony has strict vetting process for selecting partners, ruling out a company that collects personal information, <laughs> email, or addresses. Bullshit. <laughs> hey, I still remember PSN going down, Sony. Sony's program well, is supposed what? Well, at least it sounds like they're not going to part with some partner with someone like Meta, who is yeah. basically makes collecting your personal information without your permission their whole thing. Uh, Sony's program is supposed to launch by the end of the year. Xbox is reporting on planning launching its advertising program by the third quarter of 2022. It could include ads showing up as rendered billboards and racing games, for example. The profits will be shared between the game developer and ad company. In other words, Microsoft will not be included in it. I mean, if it's for free-to-play, that's fine. I mean, um, the racing game that they have that's free-to-play is Asphalt, which is actually pretty good. I don't know if you've played Asphalt. They're up to Asphalt 9, I think, right now. I also think it very much depends on the nature of the ads that they serve. Like, if it's a thing where, like, every time I want to jump into a Fortnite game, I just get through <laughs> a 15-second ad. That- Fortunately, that's Epic and not Microsoft or Sony. <laughs> But like, or but you already or, do. You already do. Remember they have these. Uh, they had the. Remember the Dead Mouse concert that just interrupted the game so people could enjoy a Dead Mouse concert, whether they wanted yeah. to or not. It was pre-recorded too. It wasn't like you were doing it live. I didn't play during the time that happened, but I remember it. It is an event. I don't remember. Uh, it's an I, advertisement. I, I can, Trust I can me. Speak to uh, to the advertisement and nature of that, but like. Oh yes, it was. Here's the thing. Um. That Dead Mouse thing was uh, proof of concept for other corporations and, and advertisers to show what they could do with Fortnite. That's exactly what it was. Right. So, but the point is, like, if it's a 15 minute, second ad that like runs before I can play a match, that's going to be no. obnoxious and annoying and piss everybody off. If it's like a billboard in the game yeah. that's up on a wall or something, that's like whatever. Who cares? Actually, you know what the thing is about having having real billboards in say a baseball game or a racing game, that actually adds the immersion because those are real products and it sort of makes you feel like you're in a real world where there's real. So it's not like it's going to annoy me if it's in a sports game. It's going to annoy me if I'm playing Deus Ex and all of a sudden there's a Pepsi ad, you know, with a, a, a thing with Pepsis. And would you like a Pepsi? Regain health with a Pepsi. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't like their uh, intention of saying they want to reward players for watching ads and promotions uh, within game items and avatar skins. It sounds like it wouldn't be just a background billboard. It somehow you have to actively focus on it. Uh, to get these rewards and whatnot, and that's just dirty. I don't, I don't like that, and I'm definitely not playing any game that's like that. Well, fortunately, they said free to play, but then again, um, I'm wondering, yeah, if this is successful, how how much you want to bet it might leak into games you pay for? I only like my ads served as the invasive, horrible uh, jingle ad from uh, Halloween Three that. Uh, <laughs> That played on the TV just about every five oh. minutes during that movie. Yeah, I know. <laughs> TJ loves the Silver Shamrock. <laughs> but um, I don't know. Like, it depending on how they use these ads, there, there's a lot of stuff that could go that could be like completely harmless, and then there's a lot of stuff that could be like, oh my god, stop it, please. Well, here's the thing. At least we know that. <laughs> 
now that you know social media is a thing and it has been for the past 15 years uh fans can band together and say no i mean look yes. they 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 try to foist nfts what did it, what did it get ubisoft like three suckers yeah <laughs> We're going to move on to the next item. Go ahead, TJ. Alrighty. Let me see here. Bug Snacks leads late April Xbox Game Pass lineup from Eurogamer. Beast Meets, meets Brunch Adventure Bug Snacks headlines April's second wave of ed- Xbox Game Pass editions. Almost 18 months after. After almost 18 months as a PlayStation console exclusive, Bugsnacks arrives on on the 28th of April for Xbox One and Xbox Series XS uh, directly via Game Pass. It it launches for Switch on the same date and is also when the uh, Isle of Bugsnacks free DLC. Yeah, Big Snacks. uh, The free DLC arrives for all platforms. It's joined by open-world zombie shooter Seven Days to Die, Turn-based action title Research and Destroy, tough action RPG Unsold, plus cute puzzle dungeon solver Turnip Boy commits tax evasion. Uh, finally, four games will depart on Xbox Three uh, Game Pass on the 30th of April, including Cricket 19, Outlast 2, Secret Neighbor, and Streets of Rage 4. The only reason why I included this article is because it gets it allows us to discuss bugs next again. I am so ready for the DLC at the end of this month. I loved Bug Snacks. It's so fun. It, it's uh, <laughs> fun? It is creepy as hell. <laughs> that's part of what makes it fun. <laughs> it it's like the some, Muppets meet Clive Barker. <laughs> it takes some severe turn left turns at the very end of the game. No, but, I'm sorry. Uh, it's it's uh, it's the Muppets meet David Cronenberg. <laughs> it is intense. I will say that. But... That game is still a blast, and like the the uh, the concepts behind it, and like the 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 progress, that's kind of it's a puzzle game, really. Of, it's just a puzzle game. No, I would say it's kind of what Pokemon Snap should have turned into, in my opinion. Yeah. Because like you had so much interaction with the creatures, as well as doing photography of them. You well, yeah, I mean, you have to you have to you have to figure out a way to capture them and they all start to get really difficult. Like they'll only do this if this is happening and if, oh, that will only happen if this is happening, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like Bugsnax is like Bugsnax is my favorite Pokemon Snap game <laughs> in which their limbs turn into things you can eat. <laughs> mm-hmm. So plus I the char- plus the characters in that game are just all super fun. I, I know you're going to urge people who haven't played it yet to get into Streets of Rage 4 before it goes off uh, Game Pass. For sure. I mean, you can't play the DLC on Streets of Rage 4 through Game Pass, so I would suggest buying the game and getting the DLC. Well, you can play it on Game Pass and then, um, you know, use it as a demo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Streets, Streets of Rage 4 is fantastic, and it's a shame that it's leaving, but they're also doing all sorts of uh, new stuff with that game, from what I understand. It's not on our list, but uh, Streets of Rage 4 is coming to mobile devices later this year. And they just announced that they're going to be doing a Streets of Rage movie with uh, the uh, – what's his name? Um, <laughs> my God. You know, there was already a Streets of Rage movie. It was called Streets of Fire. <laughs> that is not the same. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. You are absolutely mistaken, my dear friend. Because Streets of Fire 
inspired Streets of Rage. And if you play the first Streets of Rage game, it's all the characters from Streets of Fire. The Japanese loved that movie. And they there's so many, many anime that copy it. You have to see Streets of Fire, dude. You have to. It's from 84. It has not aged a whit. It is... You have you have the hero with the, with the shotgun strapped to his back, and just imagine it as a sword. You can see where they get half their anime heroes from. You have the singer who's who's very much an anime heroine. You have uh, Rillam Defoe doing his best Joker impersonation, which is why this movie that movie was why a lot of people thought that William Defoe should be the Joker. You have to watch Streets of Fire. Yeah, it's yeah. called a it's called a rock and roll fable for for a reason. It influenced uh, uh, Final Fight, which is it, very it, close it, to Street, Streets of Rage, but not. it influenced everything. No, it, it it inspired Streets of Rage too. Trust me, do do the research. It inspired entire anime series. I can't tell you how big it was in Japan. I saw it in the theaters when it was out in the United States, and it was cool as fuck. You have to watch the uh, the film, especially the the opening and ending uh, songs by Ellen Aim. They are such kick ass. Also, is the song where um, I can leave, I can, I can live without you is from. I can live without, or is it I can't love without you? Oh well. John Wick, the director who cre- or the writer who created John Wick is uh, is doing the script for the new Streets of Rage movie. Okay. I would trust him to do that. Okay, but I'm just saying, you have to watch Streets of Fire. I'll I demand that you watch. <laughs> no, not look it up. Watch it. Rent it. Find it on on online. It is. It is a. And it's a. It's a film in which Rick Moranis manages to be badass. <laughs> I'm just happy there's all sorts of cool Streets of Rage stuff happening right now. Yeah, but I'm just saying right now, everything you love about Streets of Rage, you can thank Streets of Fire for. I'm saying that Jonah, right now. Have you played Bug Snacks yet? Of course I have. I played on Epic. Are you going to be playing the DLC when it comes out at the end of this month? I'm going to play it all over again because now I want achievements. <laughs> I'm going to play it because I want achievements, as disturbing as it is. And fortunately, I did not complete Bug Snacks. I completed like the first, um, I want to say, first third of the game. Um, when they, when basically all the uh, gameplay mechanics are laid out for you, and now it's sort of like just completing these, those missions. So yeah, I mean, I know how to play. I've played it. But now I am motivated to play it again because I want the Xbox achievements for it. I also want to play yeah. Seven Days to Die. It looks nice. Yeah. Anyways, uh, we're going to move on to the next item. Go ahead, Scott. Okay. Amy Henning is taking another shot at making a Star Wars game. This is from PC Gamer. Amy, Hen- Amy Hennig is uh, back on the Star Wars beat. Hennig, who Star Wars project at EA's Visceral Studios, a narrative-focused single-player action-adventure game codenamed Ragtag, was canceled in 2017. It's headed up by a new Star Wars collaboration between Skydance New Media and Lucasfilms Games. Wait a minute. Yeah. So I'm, I'm thinking, TJ, you'd know this. Ragtag is not Star Wars 1313, is it? No. It would, uh, yeah, it's, it, it, 1313 would have focused on the bounty hunt, on a bounty hunter. Right, it was Boba Fett. You don't even have to say it was a bounty hunter. It was Boba Fett. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, see, I don't remember if they ever, ever actually. They didn't. They didn't confirm it, but they said uh, uh, after after it was canceled, like a like a couple of months later, it says yeah, it was gonna be both of them. Anyways, go ahead, Scott. All right. Uh, the announcement says the new project is a narrative-driven action-adventure game featuring an original story in the Star Wars galaxy, which, to be fair, sounds like a lot like Ragtag as it was originally envisioned. Hennig described Visceral Star Wars Project in 2016 as an original Star Wars story with new characters, locations, texts, and creatures. Developed with an approach similar to that used during Uncharted, the PlayStation series she helmed uh, developer Naughty Dog up until her departure in 2014. I figured that could be just like this will be her second draft of that game then, you know, an improvement on it. I don't think there's anything wrong with the... Uh, Having Star Wars know. Uncharted? <laughs> Well, I don't know if it'll be Star Wars Uncharted, but no. But it was it, it used. Here's the thing: she used the same gameplay mechanics that they used for Uncharted. So it's sort of like she took what she she had started with ragtag and just used it for Uncharted, which makes sense because you know Nathan Drake is a lot like Han Solo. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I agree there. Um. EA ultimately decided to move away from the style of game, opting for what former EIA Vice President Patrick Sutherland called a broader experience that allows for more variety and player agency, which some took to mean as an open world game, possibly with greater focus on microtransactions. Remember, this was right around the time that Battlefront 2 loot box controversy was starting to blow up. But it sounds like that original take on what Lucasfilm is looking for. Vision is making narrative-driven, engaging. Okay, what game is he talking about that never came out? I'm a little bit confused on that. But um, oh no, what he was, uh, but Patrick Soderlund said he just wanted something that had more variety and player agency, which I think tends to be the Star Wars Battlefront game that everybody hated. Yeah. Hmm. Anyways, uh. So their vision for making a narrative-driven and engaging interactive entertainment makes this collaboration very exciting, Lucasfilm Games Vice President Douglas Riley said. Uh, Hennig has game credits stretching back to the early 90s, including writer and director credits on the Legacy of Kane games. Oh, that's impressive. And the original Uncharted trilogy, but her time at Electronics Arts, which she joined in 2014 after leaving Night Dog, was not fruitful, and she's only released one new game since Uncharted 3 in 2011, and that's Battlefield Hardline. Which was okay, but it wasn't the blockbuster that they wanted. I mean, Battlefield Hardline was a departure from the normal thing. I mean, you were playing cops and robbers, and you actually had to arrest people. It sounds like she's finally getting to make the Star Wars game she wanted to make originally. That's what it sounds like uh, from this article. Um Go ahead, Scott, I, TJ. I was just going to say, like, I, uh, I'm i really digging the revival of Lucasfilm games so far. They have yeah. uh, they have really, like, All shown... Well, that and, like, <clears throat> they're doing a new Indiana Jones game. They're, uh, they're doing... They brought... Uh, they brought uh, Monkey Island back, and they're, uh, they're doing it with the original, with the original creator... But since Bethesda's doing Indiana Jones, do you think that's going to be like a first-person shooter game? No, I have a feeling it's going to be a third. It's going to be a Tomb Raider-like game. For some reason, it did just we, feels like that. Did we talk about Return to Monkey Island? Yes, that yes. is awesome. Uh, I couldn't remember if we did the, if we talked about that on our a long time ago. Episode. No, we haven't. 
because uh, that was uh, that was like maybe one of the most shocking reveals I've seen this year. Ron <laughs> Gilbert leading a new Monkey Island that will take place immediately after the events of LeChuck's Revenge. That is so freaking cool. Um, I played didn't wasn't that the game that was released by Telltale? Um, there have been remasters, but no, 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 no. There's not been anything new since uh, since Monkey Island 2. Uh, that's not true. Look up Tales of Monkey Island by Telltale Games. That happened directly after the ending. It was actually takes place after the after the it was like the fifth installment officially. Oh, there it is. Yeah, Tales from Monkey Island. I mean, <laughs> it's not Return to Monkey Island. That's a that's that's now number six. So that's following Tales of Monkey Island. So Tales of Monkey Island is is chapter five. Return to Monkey Island is chapter six. I wonder if this will make Tales of Monkey Island non-canon because they have said they've said straight up that uh, Return to Monkey Island will take event will take place immediately after the events of Monkey Island two. Okay, but here's the thing about Tales of Monkey Island. Um, it is a uh, he has a fight with LeChuck, and then he's turned he turns in. LeChuck turns into a human, and he infects Guybrush's hand with the pox of LeChuck, making it making him have basically LeChuck in his hand. So what happens is that this could easily happen after whatever it's. See, the entire thing is sort of like a, a metatextual examination of the entire series. So it's like if you play six before five, it's going to seem like five came after six. Hmm. This entire thing, this entire thing is uh, LeChuck becoming human again. Right. But it's also worth noting that Ron Gilbert wasn't associated with Telltale for Tales of Monkey Island. No, but it did receive this game did receive rave reviews. It'll be interesting. I, I, it makes it makes me even more interested to see how they roll out the narrative of uh, Return to Monkey Island because it, it like they were pretty they were pretty specific in saying that it's going to take place right after two. By the way, Ron Gilbert was involved in the planning of the pro- of Tales of Monkey Island. Just so you know, he's not listed on their credits at all. Uh, no, um, because the f- the one who was not involved in the in Tales of Monkey Island was Tim Schafer. Hmm. Either way, I'm super excited to have a Ron Gilbert led uh, Monkey Island coming back. That is. Probably my favorite announcement of a game I've seen this year, and maybe my most anticipated thing. I hope it's a still a point and click adventure style game. Um, but yeah, it, it looks nice. I think they've shown some uh, shots of it so far, and looks good. Yep. Anyways, go ahead, uh, TJ. You're about to add. I was just gonna say, and going back to Amy Hennig, it's cool that like. With Lucasfilm Games having come back to life, they're uh, they're giving Hennig a chance to re-pursue this project because it sounds like she had like a clear vision of what she wanted, and it was just shut down by EA wanting to pursue something entirely different and likely something man- microtransaction heavy. Um, so by the way, I'm, that reminds me, um, Scott, you did have news about the Williamses, right? Oh yeah, they are making a new game, uh, 3D adventure, cave adventure, I think it's called, and they're making it 3D, and I think there's going to be VR involved, like you're walking around a cave, which sounds really interesting. Um, 
is based on a game like apparently one of the first adventure games ever made. Uh, way oh, back. that cave game. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, where it was text based, and you were just walking in, around in a cave, and you were typing directions. This this time it'll be a 3D VR um, compatible experience, and I'm sure that'll be really interesting. Reminds they, me of the software gaming for a long time oh yeah and will there be moon logic puzzles we'll have to wait and see that one i don't know reminds me of al Lowe taking softcore game and turning it into leisure suit larry yeah dj we interrupted you dj what were you what else were you gonna say <laughs> uh, i don't have much more to say i'm really interested to see Hennig's uh, project come back, and I'm really interested to see what she has for us when they, she finally gets a chance to show it off. Same here. Um, I'm all for more uh, Amy Hennig games. She is awesome. She anyway. the last time that ba- she was the she was the she was the writer of the last time that Battlefield was good. Uh, she was the writer on Battlefield Hardline, the, the the cops and robbers one, which, despite being just ridiculous, was also ridiculous for fun and good reasons. People are still playing Battlefield Hardline. Mm-hmm. Anyways, look for our show notes at GamingPodcast.net, like one of the history news and our history, gaming history articles. We enjoy your feedback. See us comments at our blog at GamingPodcast.net. Also, hit us up at Facebook.com slash GamingPodcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave on iTunes comments. You can find me on, on Twitter at Jonah Falcon. You can find me at Johnny Chugs. You can find me at Charter Moore. And you will see us next week, hopefully, because um, we'll see if I have work. (laughs) Bye-bye.